Hey everybody, welcome to Music Therapy. Okay, here's a question. Can writing music reveal your hidden thoughts and feelings? We're going to explore that and a whole bunch more on today's episode of Music Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker. I'm a musician based here in Chicago, Illinois, and I am also a licensed clinical professional counselor. Music Therapy is a musical, existential mental health podcast for musicians and music fans. We explore creativity, the music business, and mental health. Visit musictherapypodcast.com for previous episodes and upcoming events. Our next live event will be in February, and I'll be keeping you guys posted about that. And today we are featuring Chicago artist Alana Schechtel. Alana plays under the name Lipsticism, and she's got a brand new album out. And we're going to listen to a couple of those tracks from her new album um, later in the conversation. First, let me tell you a little bit about Alana. Uh, Lipsticism is a solo project of musician and producer Alana Schachtel. Using synthesizers, voice, field recordings, and samples, Alana creates textural sonic atmospheres with strong pop sensibilities. Another interesting thing about Alana is that she is studying to be a therapist. So she and I have a lot in common, and I'm excited to share a conversation with you. Let's hop right in. Here's my conversation with Alana Schachtel of Lipsticism. Okay, I am here with Alana Schachtel of Lipsticism. Alana, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start off with my uh, eternal first question, which is, can you please describe an average week in your life? What does it look like? Yeah, um, well, I guess I'll start with what a day looks like. And the days aren't all similar to each other because I have a varied schedule. Um, but I have a remote job, a work from home job. Um, and that is a customer service job for a telemedicine company. So there's a few hours of, um, replying to emails and being on the phone and, you know, just being a customer service person. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then I'm also a student in uh, clinical mental health counseling. And I do that also remotely. So I'm in my apartment a lot. <laughs> I am um, studying or um, in Zoom class. And I try to get out for a walk often. Um, and lately I've been into cooking. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I love making music and Some days I do that more than others. Um, When I have the time, sometimes I should be doing homework more, but I'm like doing music (laughs) Uh, and getting stressed about the the fact that I'm procrastinating. Um, So yeah, those are the three things other than, you know, socializing um, and relaxing and scrolling on the internet. and like reading for pleasure. Those are the three things that make up a lot of my life these days. We actually talked, I don't remember how long ago it was, but we talked um, a while ago because we have this in common. We're both therapists. You're training to be a therapist and musicians. And we talked about what that life what that life feels like for me and how you were thinking about approaching it. And, um, I'm wondering, I guess, first of all, just to kind of establish, like, where are you in your, um, in your training right now? Yeah. I had just started, um, school when I talked to you Uh and, um, I think, I think it was my friend, um, Kurt Oren, who like told me, oh, there's another person in Chicago who's, you know, also a musician and uh, does therapy. And then then I had an assignment where I needed to interview a therapist. And I thought like, what a great opportunity to, you know, meet you and hear about, um, yeah, your life. So I have been taking it relatively slow Mm -hmm. um, because I have 
you know, I'm also working mm-hmm. and, um, it's been nice to take it slow also because being a student has not been something that has come easily to me in my life. Um, I am going to start the practicum. So my first clinical experience, Uh um, which I guess for people who don't know, like the jargon, that just means like the actual face to face (laughs) uh, with the client in January. So I haven't done any of that yet. Okay. How are you feeling about that? approaching? Definitely a mixture of nervous and excited. Um, I don't know how it was for you, but it really feels like you just start, Yeah, you know, you just get put in front of a client and you're doing therapy now. And it's, you know, you have a supervisor and it's all very, um, you know, you're, it's organized. You have a whole class, um, and like, a yeah, like I said, supervisor mm-hmm. who you, uh, report to. So it's not, um, like reckless, but it does feel like jumping into the deep end of a pool in a way. Totally. Yeah. Uh, in, in my program, we did our practicum. I just, I did two years and it was full time and we did our practicum both years. And the first practicum started before classes even started. Wow. That must've felt intense. <laughs> it, was, it was very intense. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I guess there's no other way to go about it. You just have to kind of dive in. And like you said, there's tons of support. So you're not just, uh, totally blindly talking with people, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, it, it did feel really in- intense and overwhelming. What yeah. um, kind of population will you be working with? I am going to be doing it at NAMI. Have you heard of that organization, uh-huh. um, National Alliance and, for Mental, is it, is that I, right? I, I actually am unsure what the I stands for. Yeah. I, I'm like more familiar with the acronym than what it actually means. I, I am too. <laughs> but, I'll, put yeah. it, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for anybody who's curious. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I just secured that placement last week and I haven't even met with the supervisor yet. Um, and so it, it felt pretty hard to get a practicum placement since I think most people, um, or most like nonprofits or schools like to work with somebody in the internship phase. That's what I found somebody who, who did the initial, um, clinical practicum. And so I feel like I am in a position where I was very excited that somebody said yes to me and I will do whatever Yeah. because it took a while to get a practicum placement. And I didn't think I was going to for a while. That sounds stressful. It was very stressful, but it was also really relieving and awesome when I got the email that NAMI was um, interested in having me. That's great. I just based on my personal experience, I worked with adolescents, um, for my, both of my practicums actually. Now I only Mm -hmm. work with adults, but even though that's not what I ended up doing, I think whatever you're going to do with NAMI will shape what you like and what you don't like and will all be useful. Yeah. A lot of people say that the clinical experience like really informs, um, yeah, like you said, what you want to do, but also is like the richest educational part of being a therapist. Like, yeah. you know, I, I've heard you don't really learn it in a book. I mean, it's, it's helpful to read about counseling theories and, you know, ethics and all that, but that the real or the most useful education like occurs clinically. So I'm really excited. Yes. 100%. I, so let's, let's talk about your coming up on starting this new phase of your therapist training. And then you also Mm -hmm. have some music stuff going on. You've got an album that you're going to be releasing on December 2nd. Can you tell us about this album? Yeah. Yeah. It feels weirdly like all of a sudden everything is happening at once in my life Uh after, after kind of a lull of, you know, um, not, a lot happening in a certain way. So um, I started working on this album after I released my first album, 
that's called emergency um, in 2018. So I've been working on the new one, two mirrors facing each other since 2018. And um, yeah, it is a collection of songs from, yeah, 2018 to 2021. And it felt, I, I don't think that there is like an optimal speed that somebody writes music or, or, or should put out albums. I think that that's like really subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, but during this whole process, I definitely wanted it to happen quicker, but I was dealing with some like autoimmune illnesses and it was really, really hard to, um, have the energy to make music. Oh yeah. Yeah. And especially um, in a time of COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, well, there was all the anxiety. I, reacted to the pandemic, uh, with kind of like paralyzing anxiety. I know a lot of people who, um, it was like a really fertile creative time for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I felt kind of too anxious to, uh, work on music often. Like I needed to do something that soothed my nervous system and oftentimes music does, but it was such a like high degree of anxiety that, that often looked like going on a walk yeah. or um, doing something that where I didn't really have to do any work mm-hmm. kind of just um, yeah, something that was like soothing on a somatic like body level. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to finally be releasing music because it's been, what feels to me like a, a really long time since I have. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these songs came from like really intense emotional moments in the past four years. Um, there are some songs on it that I only took a few sessions to write. It feels like there was something I was going through or something I really needed to say. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it poured out. And then there are other other songs where I, you know, started and came back to them um, and was more like sculpting. So it's an interesting blend. Let's, let's listen to one, but before we listen to it, can you tell us about your song um, transform? Yeah. Yeah. That one is maybe somewhere in the middle of just coming out in one session and, you know, really, being sculpted (laughs) throughout the years. And I made that song when I was living in Bellingham, Washington. And I can, I had this like awesome desk set up where I could see the sky and I really love uh, making music, looking at the sky. And um, it's about friendships that feel really supportive and safe and how they can change a lot in your life. Like the way that you view yourself, the way that you view the world, the way that like you view what's possible. I was just like experiencing um, some really great friendships that really moved me. And um, also I, I went into this song not trying to mimic the song Believe by Cher, but being inspired by it. Uh-huh. Like that uh, that blend of like really dreamy synths um, and a very like driving, dancey drum beat. And I definitely kind of had, while working on this, had fantasies of people dancing to the song like I have danced uh, to Believe many times in my life. <laughs>
said before we played the song that you like to make music while looking at the sky. What do you, that stuck with me. What do you like about looking at the sky when you're writing? Yeah. Well, I record and, you know, I do it all in a digital audio workstation. And so, you know, I have like, I'm like writing as I'm recording often and I've got. Which one do you use? Which workstation? uh, yeah, I use Logic. Logic? Okay, just curious. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, the chronic illness has um, been difficult in terms of one symptom that's been really hard is fatigue. And I find looking at the sky energizing. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably, you know, it makes sense. Like we. Um, our circadian rhythm and stuff is very affected by light. And I also, I think it's the beauty. I find it inspiring, like visually. Um, And it is nature. And um, yeah, nature really evokes like something big in me often. So I think it's the mixture of like being beautiful energizing and inspiring. Let's talk about kind of following this a little bit. You had written in the form that you fill out before, before you came on the show, um, how music or creativity can be used therapeutically, um, personally, therapeutically. What do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, well, I'm just last night. I, I had a therapy session in the morning and it was one where unexpectedly I was just crying the whole time and I really got to some some deep stuff, you know, like I, I really kind of, um, I feel like some therapy sessions for some reason, like I'm not as forthcoming, but I was like very honest about what I was feeling and um, I think the the past few days I was going through something kind of acutely intense. So the whole rest of the day yesterday, I felt um, what I was going through kind of lingering in like my mind and body. And in the, it was kind of manifesting as like, yeah, feeling heavy the way that depression often can, like you feel it in your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just kind of like laying on the couch and scrolling on my phone, which is great. I love doing that, but I wasn't feeling awesome. And I decided to go upstairs because that's where my like music nook is in my apartment. Um, And I just put down this like one chord of um, strings from this uh, plugin or VST I really like that I'll like, say because it's free called labs mm-hmm. um so people should definitely get that it's awesome um and i haven't done this exactly but before like prior to this evening or last evening um but i was like crying and singing <laughs> and like kind of singing what i was talking about and i don't know if anyone will ever hear it and i don't really care but I definitely felt lighter. Like my body felt different after that. And I feel like talking about things can be really cathartic, but something about like singing uh, and I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's kind of mysterious, but like something about singing and crying and feeling alone Mm -hmm. and having like the privacy to fully express these things yeah it really felt cathartic I think there's a lot of ways music can and creativity can feel therapeutic but that's just like one example in my life that's that's amazing I'm so curious I know that it's not done yet and maybe you won't even put it out but I'm I'm really curious how that sounds I wonder if the energy of that will come through the song once you make yeah, it yeah I wonder too that would be something interesting to get feedback on from a friend or something. Another thing that you had mentioned was how you find that writing music can reveal hidden feelings or help Mm -hmm. you learn more about 
your own feelings. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, there have just been times, well, usually my process varies, but you know, sometimes I'll start, um, finding a synth sound that I like, and I use a lot of software for synths, um, with a big MIDI keyboard and, um, there will I'll like come across a, a sound and make a chord that feels like it unlocks something. And I'm like, I didn't necessarily come into the session with something I wanted to say, mm-hmm. but suddenly like the, yeah, the sound, it just makes me, it evokes something. And I'm like, Oh, I want to write about um, how hard it is to deal with the inevitable passage of time and how we can't go back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't, I wasn't really consciously thinking about that prior to the session. Um, And then I think also field recordings can do that because, you know, they're often like nature or a place and, that also evokes um, various things. Do you have when do you have the same response when you listen to other music? Are there particular songs or artists that might also evoke that same similar feeling? Yeah, all the time. Um, and oftentimes listening to music and it evoking um, like feelings that maybe I wasn't super conscious of or places um, visually in my mind that is like a big impetus to go and make music. Like it gets me in the zone because oftentimes I really don't feel in the zone and I'm like, I do not want to make music, but it can happen really quick sometimes like listening to some artists and I'm having trouble thinking of particular ones right now. It's not like one genre or type of song that does it. It, it can be like ambient or very poppy. Um, well, a couple of days ago, I was listening to um, a more ambient artist, Malibu, and their music uh, really was transporting me. Um, yeah, so I think most recently it happened with that artist. Okay. You talked about. I'm curious about your process and you you said that sometimes you don't really feel like making music. What is your what is your process like for creating? Yeah. Um so like I had mentioned a little bit back, um I don't start with one element. Sometimes I will start with some drums um or synth um it's more rare but i've even just started with like kind of an acapella vocal melody mm-hmm. um and then when it's flowing which doesn't always happen it often feels like the songs are like writing themselves you know uh-huh. what i mean like yeah. every every kind of decision is unlocking something or informing yeah. like the next step Um, and I wouldn't have been able to, to write the song without feeling inspired by the certain drum pattern or the certain vocal melody. Uh It's like a bunch of aha moments, you know, it's like, oh, I put down the synth and I'm like, and a very textural synth pad would sound amazing with this. And this like three, four drum beat would sound awesome. (laughs) Um, And so it's like a really fun, I often have a lot of fun when I'm like in the zone uh, and that's happening because it feels like a very like alive, like my brain's alive, but I've definitely tried to have that happen. And I feel like I am just searching for sounds or chords for like hours sometimes. And I'm like, you know what? 
it's not going to happen today or tonight. And I'm often kind of bummed because I think I put pressure on myself sometimes to be really prolific with music, but I am definitely trying to usher in like more of an attitude of acceptance um, that it like happens when it happens and it doesn't when it doesn't. And that's fine. Do you, I think that's a really relatable feeling. Um, and do you, you know, I'm, I'm picturing these moments where you approach your, your music workstation. Is this something that you do like, Oh, every night at eight o'clock I go down and do it. Or is it more when you feel inspired or I've got a window? Like, what is that? Is it random? Is it scheduled? What does that look like for you? It's not scheduled. I would, I would love like almost as an experiment to create a schedule and try to stick to it for like a week. (laughs) Um, but I think just, um, the way I have always been, it's pretty hard to stick to schedules. And I, when I can, I love doing things when I feel like it. Um, but I've heard a lot of people bring up this point before. Sometimes when you're busier, you just like feel the scarcity of time in your schedule. And so then you like feel more motivated to make music. And I have experienced that, but I've also experienced times when I'm really busy, leaving me in this like place of immense fatigue and like burnout where I don't feel like able to make music because I just want to watch TV or do something that feels like pure rest. Totally. Let's talk about performance. Mm-hmm. This is the other side. And you you had a show recently, right? Yeah. My last one was at Lincoln Hall, um, like two, about two weeks ago, I think. Yeah, I think it was two weeks ago. Um, yeah. How was that show? It was cool. Um, I had never played at Lincoln Hall. Uh, and I think that the... The headliner was awesome, um, and, and it was an interesting experience because I think there are some similarities in our music, but um, also a lot of differences. And um, the show I the show I played pr- prior to that in uh, Brooklyn with some friends, uh, who all have projects that I genuine genuinely think are absolutely amazing. So I will like put a plug in <laughs> Chanel beads, coal and lava goals. Um, that show felt like really cohesive. Um, and it was interesting coming from like doing that show about a week or two weeks before the Lincoln hall show. Um, they felt like very different experiences. What was different about them? Well, I think, you know, in New York, I was, I knew everybody playing and I'm like pretty good friends with all of them. So um, I think it, I think that made me feel less nervous because it felt like this like support that was woven into the night. We were all like watching each other and like clapping and like, yelling in a supportive way. Um, And the venue was also smaller. It's called the Purgatory in Brooklyn. Um, And there was a good turnout, which was was cool. Um, And I think people weren't really talking in the audience. And at the Lincoln Hall show, I definitely was up there. And there was like a conversation going on, like, right in front of me and it was pretty distracting. So I think people were, um, I can't speak to like the whole crowd, but I just feel like at the Lincoln Hall show, um, people were talking more and I, it made me feel like, oh, it made me a bit more in my head when I was performing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you perform by yourself or do you have other people on stage with you? Um, it's mostly by myself. I have uh, performed with my partner, Eric, in the past, um, and that's been really 
fun, but we were doing different songs that we might not actually call like lipsticism. It might be like a different band name. Gotcha. <laughs> so it was getting a little like misleading. Um, you know, like we were like, if we keep doing this, people are not going to know what to expect from a lipsticism show. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've performed both solo and with bands and I find it much scarier to perform solo. Yeah. Um, I feel like I have complicated thoughts on that. I think in some ways I find it a lot scarier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other ways I find it less scary. I think um, it is less scary because I'm not, I don't know. I I think it's like, I think I can have a tendency to feel like responsible for other people's feelings or, Mm -hmm. you know, really like want them to have a good time and like worry that they're not. And so like, I'm like only in my zone, don't have to worry about that with anyone else. And that hasn't been like a issue performing, um, you know, performing with Eric, my partner, he's been pretty stoked and the shows have gone relatively well. Uh, but I definitely have that worry sometimes like, um, and then it can be more scary because you, everyone's, you know, you're carrying the whole thing. (laughs) You don't like have, you're not in it with somebody else, which can be comforting as well for different reasons. Totally. It reminds me, I, for anybody who wants to hear more about this, um, Uma Blue was on the show's episode 99. And she talked about the same thing, just feeling the particular stress of both leading a band and trying to make sure everybody's happy. And how do you give directives and to people while also it just felt she talked about how stressful it can be um, to feel, feel comfortable in that role. And I think she often doesn't feel comfortable in that role. I listened to that episode and I really liked it and I appreciated like the vulnerability and honesty a lot. Let's take a little music break and then we'll come back and talk about performance some more. Let's listen to your song sentimental. Can you tell us about this song? Yeah. Um, this song felt like it started, um, from me needing a therapeutic cathartic experience because uh, I feel a little embarrassed shocking about this, but my family had digitized um, all of the home videos. Like my mom was like, I think it dawned on her that they were probably deteriorating and uh, she could get them digitized. And so she did that and like sent me a link and suddenly it was like all the home videos that ever existed from not only my past, but like her, her childhood and stuff I had never seen before. I was, it was so beautiful, but so like emotional. And I was really sad. Um, I was really grappling with this feeling like, wow, this, this like, so much is so sweet. So much happened. And I like, it absolutely cannot go back. And that is also how it's going to continue to be from here forward. I think I was just really struck by the like forward inevitable quality of life that is like it does, there's no pause. (laughs) It just like keeps going and everything's in the past, like immediately. And I actually, um, asked my friend Luke Hogfoss to send some guitar, which I chopped up and then he sent bass and we like sent the song back and forth. Um, so he, he sent me some like voice guitar, bass and percussion, and I like chopped it up and arranged it in logic. Okay. Um, that was a very touching story. Let's, let's have a listen to Sentimental.
of sentimental bilipsticism. Let's let's stay if it's okay on the um, kind of vulnerable side of things and and connecting this back to performing. Um, you had said in in your notes that you feel the vulnerability of performance. Can you talk about that part of performing? Yeah. It reminds me of um, my friend recommended, I think Bjork's new podcast. And she was talking about how I haven't listened to this one, so I might not verbatim like be getting it right. <laughs> but the gist is um, like Bjork was talking about how performing for people who might feel more intro- introverted is like climbing Everest or I don't know if it was that analogy, but uh, that it's like a really big challenge to be um, perceived doing your music on a stage in front of a lot of people, to be getting the whole attention of the room and how that can be a really transformative, like almost like an exposure therapy for uh, feeling really like scared and averse to that, which I do feel, I, I, I do feel like hiding a lot in my life and I feel, um, worried about posting about even talking in like a group setting, sometimes even one-on-one with a person, like I, I, it feels vulnerable to put something of yourself out there and know that somebody is feeling a way about it or making thought or, or yeah, forming thoughts and reactions, um, potentially not understanding it in the way you intended. Um, there are like infinite, um, reactions that people can have. And I do find it exciting to perform and know that the audience is having different experiences, some people liking it, some people not liking it, and then people anywhere in between on the spectrum. I feel like that's exciting to get comfortable with, but it's really hard. And I still find myself like wanting to avoid it altogether. I mean, early in our session, you said how even in therapy, it can be hard. You didn't say it exactly like this, but you're like, I felt particularly open with how I was feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. In therapy. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it is so vulnerable. How do you feel, you know, about releasing an album? Does that vulnerability extend to that experience too for you? It does. I would say that in some ways it's a little bit easier because it's not like a real time experience. It's something I was like able to craft But also, um, in some ways, I still find it very nerve wracking because, uh, yeah, there are some songs that are like confessional. I'm not like saying anyone's name in it, but uh, the music feels like it's revealing things about me. And then also, it's just like another thing that is attached to me and somebody can make any type of judgment about whether that's like, oh, the production's not good or this is not good for whatever reason. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's when I think whenever there's like something attached to your name, it, at least for me, can um, provoke like anxiety. I think it's, it's so vulnerable. And I think you're right. You know, there's, you're creating this thing and you've said once it's deemed finished, which can be really hard in itself to say it's finished because then you're kind of stamping it and saying, okay, I think this is good enough to share, or at least this is the best I can do right now. Yeah. And then here world, take a look at it and see what you think is so vulnerable. That is really scary. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Yeah. And I think it was Grouper who said this in an interview that it's an indication to her that something is done uh, when 
there's a feeling of embarrassment <laughs> somewhat. And I think that I, I, that really stuck with me because, um, yeah, I feel like that means that there is like something honest or vulnerable, um, expressed in it. Hmm. I was thinking before, uh, the interview about, um, how lately I've been looking at music, not as something, um, that I need to get any like specific outcome from, but something like exercise or eating in a way that feels nourishing (laughs) to me. And I've been really liking that it's been feeling like a healthy way for me to approach music. So I wanted to, to share that. Um, is that different than how you previously thought of music? Um, I think that that has always been like an element, but I wasn't super like conscious of it. And there have been times where I've felt like, yeah, if songs um, weren't happening that I liked, or if, uh, you know, an album wasn't being actively if I wasn't making progress or if it didn't seem like anyone was connecting or, you know, like the whole metrics thing, (laughs) all the numbers, if like, yeah. uh, I think that I felt at times like it's uh, futile for me to be making music or doing anything creative. But uh, just recently and it's been a thought I've been chewing on for maybe like a couple, a year or two. Um, I've been really thinking about uh, how it's not futile because no matter what the outcome is, um, because it is something that is really like healthy, contributes to to my health, mental health, um, and there was an article I was trying to find it before this and I couldn't, but I think it was by Arthur Brooks. Um, and he was arguing for this, like incorporating music and creativity, um, into our lives, like we would exercise or something. Um, and I liked that he mentioned, um, it can be a way to like connect with something that feels spiritual or at least not like mundane it's like a good antidote for feeling that life is just like boring or really monotonous and it doesn't need to become successful like that is a very profound type of success i i feel like it's like reclaiming the idea of success uh and feeling really proud of like taking care of, of using music as a, and creativity as a vehicle to take care of myself. Um, that, that feels good. <laughs> that leads really neatly into the question that I like to end with, which is as a musician, how do you define success for yourself? Hmm. I think it's kind of like self-worth. I think it's just innate in the process. Like, I think that, I don't know. I, I <laughs> maybe I just need to like chew on this question a little bit more, but yeah, I, I like to feel proud of myself for um, engaging with it at all. But I want to say, I don't feel, well, I, I try not to feel like guilt or shame when I'm not doing it because I think that um, long stretches of time not doing music can if it feels right and it feels like that's what's contributing nice to my mental health at the time like I'm proud of myself for for not doing it too yeah sorry I don't know if that really answered the question but yeah yeah um, yes I think it did. And, you know, to, to your very last point, I personally think that you've got to live a little life to have things to write music about. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I agree. I feel that. Well, Alana, thank you so much 
for being with us today. Thank you. This is really fun. Your, your new album, Two Mirrors Facing Each Other, will be released December 2nd via Earth Libraries. Yeah. I'm excited. Do you have a website or Bandcamp? Where can people go to find out more about you and your music? Um, no website right now. Bandcamp also under construction, but those things are in the works. So uh, I'll, I think Instagram's a good central hub right now for finding out <laughs> about news. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. I want to thank Alana for her time today. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're staying safe, enjoying the holiday season. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Music Therapy is hosted by Jessica Risker, produced by Sullivan Davis of Local Universe, and engineered by Joshua Wentz in Chicago. Peace and love until I see you again. <laughs>